This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. We need to have much more of a of a sense of social and civic commitment to understand our roles as citizens, not just to enable ourselves to live longer and healthier lives, but to ensure that those are available for people across our society. Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. My name is Peter Bowes and this is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Well, this is a return visit to the podcast by Paul Irving. Paul is the chairman of the Milken Institute Centre for the Future of Aging, chairman of Encore.org and distinguished scholar in residence at the USC Davis School of Gerontology. We're at USC right now, the University of Southern California, at the 2018 Body Computing Conference. Paul, welcome back. Peter, thanks for having me. It's great to see you. Uh, Body computing, is this something that you've given much thought to? It's interesting. I, I, I asked Leslie Saxon, who, of course, is, is chairing the event, exactly why she why she called me. And I think I'm kind of here for maybe commentary based on uh, not so much on my expert in my expertise in computing, but more in my interest in making sure that as we focus on data, as we think about digital tools and, and the, the advent of AI and, and all the rest, we just don't forget the, the person in the mix. Well, that was actually precisely why I asked the question, because I know a lot of people with, a, with a, an intense interest in the aging process um, don't necessarily think tech, Silicon Valley, what it can do for us. But uh, I think as we've learned here, and I've learned in previous years attending this event, that there is a huge value in technology, especially for older people. Previous podcast just a few weeks ago, we talked about the GrandPad, which is the tablet that is made specifically for 75-year-olds and over. And I think it brings a huge value to people's lives. Older adults are more technologically proficient than they're given credit for. Uh, a majority polling suggests uh, say that they think technology is, is a good thing, and many, many of them now use, use smartphones and are intrigued by the prospect of autonomous cars and a lot of other developments, uh, gamification of, of various and sundry uh, kind of enter- entertainment and, and, and health options, et, et cetera. But I think what's important is we have to think about kind of what exists on, on both sides of the, of the technology experience. Do we have uh, welcoming environments? Do we have uh, older people involved in the, in the process of, of design and, and, and creation to make sure that these things are responsive to their needs? I, I have no doubt, Peter, you've heard me say it, say it before, but I, I very much believe that something that's well-designed for an older person is very likely well-designed for someone regardless of age. So, so the challenge I always uh, offer to, to particularly young technologists, people who are running around uh, in engineering departments and computer science departments and all the rest is, is where is the old person in the room? And uh, as long as we have a couple old people in the room, I feel pretty good about it. And what is interesting, I mentioned the grandfather, what's interesting about that company is that quite literally they have older people, they've got centenarians working alongside teenagers to manufacture this product, which I think is, is the ideal scenario. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, we, we also have, I think, increasing interest by, by companies, uh, not, not just, by the way, tech companies, but retailers and others 
in in um, the prospects for for aging aging adults as as a, as a market. Uh, Best Best Buy just acquired a company in, in the in the telephone space for eight hundred million bucks. Uh, and people are kind of intrigued as they think about what will Best Buy do with that customer base and how will they uh, add additional services that may be, may be responsive. So people are waking up to the notion that older people are not only a large number and a growing number, as, as we know and as you know so well, but also that they represent um, uh, both a market and, in a sense, a test site for what, what the population is going to look like in the future. Because remember, we, we don't just have a have a currently aging population, the population is very likely to be to be older uh, across the world for a long, long time. I mentioned you've uh, been on the podcast before. If anyone wants to listen to it, it's episode 10. We tell your story, some of the background behind what you do now. So we'll not repeat that. But if you want to listen to it, it's episode 10. You'll find it in the index on our website. What we didn't talk much about last time was your role with Encore.org, and the, the tagline of that organization is Second Acts for the Greater Good, which I think is a, it really sums things up nicely, that there is a second act, and it can be to the greater good. Yeah, so look, we believe that, uh, that objectively older people are a, are a massive and growing demographic in the U.S. and across the world, and that uh, the opportunity to to uh, call on them, to deploy them, to to serve the greater good is is such a powerful opportunity for all of us today. And by the way, very much, I think, plays in, into their strength, plays into what we think of as their generative uh, in- inclinations. That is the inclination to to pay it forward, to pass down. Um, as as my friend Mark Friedman, who who runs uh, Encore, says, older adults are our only growing natural resource. And he he talks about uh, a well known academic who talks about biology flowing downhill. This this um, inclination for for us to think bigger about the role of our lives as we as we get older, to seek a new meaning and purpose, and frankly, to have that manifest in, in service to others, and I think particularly kids, particularly younger people. So what is the main mission of Encore? So we, we, uh, we focus really on two principal programs. Uh, one is called Generation to Generation, which is focused on uh, identifying, uh, initially in the United States, but I think ultim- ultimately, uh, globally, a, a large cohort of older adults to serve young people, to, uh, to become involved in youth-serving organizations, to have that recognized and celebrated and encouraged and and to become part of a part of a social norm you know for for us. some of us um, had experiences in the military or other kinds of, of public public service some some of us didn't but we all have the the possibility of doing that throughout our lives and there may be no better time to think about the the need and the opportunity to serve kids than as we as we grow older the other program is called is called the encore fellows program and what we do is we uh, create opportunities for people as they're transitioning out of work for a whole variety of reasons. Sometimes it's a lost job. Sometimes it's a retirement. But uh, to place them in, in organizations and in, in, in opportunities in which they can apply their trade for, for, the, for good. Uh, and that might be um, taking someone from a large corporation and having them become involved in a nonprofit, uh, obviously um, – providing great service to not only to that nonprofit, but oftentimes to a young social entrepreneur who's trying to do something to change the world, but may need a smart CFO or somebody who really understands, uh, you know, human resources or whatever it is. 
what we find is that people love these uh, these opportunities and find them incredibly rewarding and exciting. You know, the challenge is is scaling this. So uh, if you if you think of this as a supply and demand kind of issue, as as I think economists often do, what we have is this massive and growing supply of of older people looking for meaning and purpose in their lives, and we have. Uh, huge uh, needs, uh, you know, throughout our society. We know how how divided our society is. We know the challenges of of income inequality and and social disparities. And so, here we have this great supply of talent, and we have this great need for 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 change. What can we do to match match the two? And that's that's what we're focused on. You mentioned the uh, divide in society today. I- I'm curious to know how you feel about older generations and perhaps their resilience to to ride the storm or ride the wave, if you like, in terms of some of the difficult times that we're going through that are affecting all generations. I've never, I've lived in this country for more than 20 years and I've never known such turbulent times. Yeah, we, li- we live in extraordinary times and I think there's never been a more important time to connect the generations. You know, some people kind of argue the the notion that we we face an increasing generational divide a generational war over resources and and primacy and all the rest and i think uh, there is no more important time for us to recognize the challenges that we share uh, younger people and older people alike share the challenges for example of structural unemployment the 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 risks of uh, automation and ai and not very much, by the way. Not China, but 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 uh, the 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 risks of techno of technology reducing the number of jobs and the and the the need for transition, reskilling, training to take advantage of the of the changing economy. That's a that's a challenge for both old old and young. Uh, old and young both have have caregiving responsibilities to kids and parents and 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 to others. Uh, I think uh, people are looking for this this notion of meaning and purpose uh, throughout life, and and uh, the generations have so much to learn from each other. You know, I'm fortunate to have a group of young people who who work with me, and uh, I, I hope I bring to them some perspective. The the fact that I've been around the block a few times and have been bumped around a bit, uh, as as many of us have when we've been working a long time, and knowing something about navigating environments. But guess what? They're a whole lot smarter than I am on technology and and thinking about the, the power of social media, for example. So there's mentorship going on on both sides, and I value that. And, um, you know, I value it as a parent, and I value it as an employer. Hmm. And and you've just nicely illustrated the value in having multiple generations working together to yeah. embrace those, uh, certainly the younger generation, as you describe it. And I... I my thoughts are the same as yours on on that. That a nineteen year old can often grasp social media so much better. Doesn't mean to say that someone of my generation or, or older can't. But there's a a flow, a natural flow to the way that we accept new things. And I think younger generations have latched onto a to social media in a way that perhaps older older generations never will, but can still benefit from. Yeah, well, look, people, I'm a baby boomer, and people in my generation are are far from being being digital natives. I'm not even sure, Mm. by the way, that millennials are genuinely digital natives. Probably it's the emerging Gen Z. But the bottom line is I think we have to think about creating and and encouraging and enabling environments that bring the generations together. So whether it's... uh, 
it's moving away from the norm of, of retirement communities behind walls that, that are that are age segregated or frankly uh, on the other side focusing on ensuring that universities like the ones the one that we're sitting in in today are as embracing of and supportive of, of older students as they are of, of younger students because those older students and younger students benefit from from the connections with with, with each other so uh, look, I mean, this this is a time when when it could not be more important for us to try to identify those things that we share, those things that we have in common, rather than those things that that divide us. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be focused on our values and our priorities and and all and all the rest. But we are all people, and um, certainly in the United States, I spent a lot of time out of the U.S., but certainly in the United States, uh, we need to uh, to do more to to encourage collaboration and i think again this this notion of intergenerational connection should be a a, a policy priority a business priority a priority for for institutions across society and for each one of us uh, individually and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment hey quick question for you are you someone who wants to be fit healthy and happy And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. This is the final interview in our little mini-series of conversations from the Body Computing Conference. And in other interviews, we've touched on the epidemic of loneliness affecting older people, the financial difficulties affecting one in seven senior citizens here in the United States, and raise questions that could lead us to question the value of reaching a great age, that there are many potential problems down the road. And for all, I am certainly personally very enthusiastic about getting old and and remaining healthy. It does make you aware that it isn't going to be a bed of roses. Well, I mean, I think I think a society uh, has has a great challenge ahead, as as I often say, and I may have said in our in our last uh, our last get get together that that uh, science has done and is very much doing its its part. Uh, The the improvements in sanitation and safety and Medical advances have created average uh, lifespans that are much longer than those that existed um, uh, generations ago, and frankly, are historically unprecedented. So, the the challenge for all of us is how do we realize the longevity dividend, the the opportunities that that longer life provide, and that very much includes uh, the 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 potential of of um, Doing things like compressing uh, mortality and morbi- morbidity, the time between between uh, the time we get sick and the t- and the time we die, uh, to to utilize all the wonderful know-how that's being created across America and across the world to to improve people's lives, to empower them as patients, to uh, enable them to li- to live healthier. Uh, the interesting thing is we really know what we need to do. I mean, we really know what we need to do. We, we, uh, we need to address the, the, the health disparities in, in our communities. We need to improve nutrition. We need to reduce uh, smoke, continue to fight the fight to reduce smoking. We need to create safer streets. 
We need to encourage exercise. We need to enable people to live uh, productive lives as long as as long as they they can, so they remain m- mentally stimulated. We need to do whatever we can to to mitigate uh, isolation and, and loneliness, which, as you as you know, is a significant problem. And of course, you know that uh, that the Prime Minister of Britain not too long ago appointed a minister of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe something we should consider in the United States. So. We know what the challenges are, and we know what the right things are to do. The question is, do do our values uh, motivate us to do the right things, and do we have the will uh, nationally to do what what is necessary? I hope we do. Uh, I think um, I think we need to have much more of a of a sense of social and civic commitment to understand our roles as citizens, uh, not not just to enable ourselves to live longer and healthier lives, but to ensure that those are available for people across our society. And I highlighted a few of the negatives there, and I don't want to be too negative about things because I think, as, as you kind of imply in that answer, that there is a lot to be positive about. There is a lot happening. One thing that interests me, and I, I hate even saying fake news, but it's a, a term that's around and, and people, I think, get what it means. And... It concerns me a little bit about people's access to information about ageing and ageing well. Is it something that concerns you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that that we have so much fantastic science going on. And by the way, I'm very much a believer in science, as should anyone be in in our society, and as we should ensure our children... Are, are educated about, and the, one of the difficulties is is that through search and other mechanisms, you can find baseless claims and 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 quack sol- solutions to serious health problems. So, you know, I think there are a couple ways that that needs to be addressed. One is one is those with the with the power to to affect our our understanding, who who control media outlets and 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 social networks and all the rest, to think through in the in their in their brilliant ways of how they can ensure that uh, the right information gets gets to people. Number one and number two, I think just as important. This is kind of a matter of both a personal responsibility and of and of societal obligation, and that is how do we uh, dramatically improve health literacy? By the way, financial literacy as as well, but. So that people un- understand that um, you know if something if something comes from you know whether it's uh, the, the Harvard Medical School or the or the or the Mayo Clinic it's it's uh, got far more credibility than something that might come from uh, Joe's type two diabetes uh, solution. So uh, not to knock Joe, whoever Joe mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. I but 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 uh, look, this is one of those things that I think that should be that should be part of the curriculum for for young people. We have to start when people are when people are are at at early age, and I think one of the things that school schools miss across across the the educational spectrum is is the importance of of teaching those basic life skills. What what, what the state of the science is in health, uh, how one protects themselves and navigates through uh, through their life financially, which I think would be helpful to not only not only every individual but to the society generally. And through your work with younger people, do you notice any shift in change in in attitude? I suppose it depends what area of aging we're talking about. But there is often an attitude from younger people that, oh, well, that's something I'll worry about when I'm older myself. That I'm I'm 
not going to age. I'm not going to get diseases because I'm I'm young. I'm strong. But then the hits you hit a point, whether it's forty or fifty, when you begin to realise that these things actually apply to you. Now I, I know certainly the School of Gerontology here in this very campus does a great job in terms of trying to get that message across. But a, a greater society is there still a an issue there? Do you think ageism remains remains a problem uh, throughout society? Not not just an issue for for young people, but for old people as well. We we. We associate our later years and our physical changes with with declining value, with with kind of a rationale, a justification for our removal, our disengagement, et cetera, uh, in in a you know across a range of activities and throughout a range of, of institutions. So I think it's something we have to we have to work on on uh, generally. It's hard for a young person to project out. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to understand what life is is going to be like. And that's, again, one of the one of the beauties of intergenerational connection. It's interesting when you when you um, when you think about it and, and you observe uh, young people and their grandparents, you see this this beautiful combination. I often tell a joke. Why do grandchildren and grandparents get along so well? The answer is common enemy. There is just something special about the relationship between grandchildren and grandparents, and and so that same kind of relationship, maybe not quite at at the level of of quality or intimacy or or caring that exists with one's own family, but but pretty darn close. That same kind of relationship can be built with 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 others, but both by older people with 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 uh, other young people and by young people with other old people, and it gets back to the comments I had before on on intergenerational connections. So so I think it's hard. By the way, AARP has a, has a wonderful, if you haven't seen it, I, I would strongly commend it, a wonderful video on, on p- how people view older older people. And it's very interesting when, when they're connected physically, when they're connected in time and space with somebody who's, who's old, they feel very differently. They define aging differently and they view the qualities of an, old, of an older person I just think you know that's why when you bump when you bump into into people in in various ways and at various times in life, whether it's uh, wh- whether they're people of different gender or race or sexuality or or anything else, you just think about them differently. You 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 realize that they're human beings. You realize that they have their their own strengths and weaknesses and and unique characteristics and and that's uh, that's very much true of older people. I often remind people that older older people are are just as uh, diverse, just as complex as any other population in a society. And uh, the fact that we've become older doesn't mean that we've become simple to understand or that we've become all the same. We experience things in different ways. We have uh, points of view and different health um, health characteristics and, and all the rest, and we have to begin to see older people with that same understanding of their complexity, their needs, their aspirations, their dreams, as we do with people uh, across the life spectrum. Paul, it's always inspiring to talk to you. Last time we chatted, you explained your uh, desire never to give up work and to keep on going. Is that still a plan? It does still apply. Although, you know, I look, I'll say I, I do lots of different things. I have a couple jobs and, 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 and several boards, and I spend lots of time doing different things. It's also, you know, I think about sometimes the importance, not so much of slowing down, but of having more time to breathe and to spend time with, with my family. Uh, I don't have grandkids yet, although I, I have strong hope 
since my son got married to a wonderful young woman not too long ago. We're, we're excited about that, and I'm fortunate to be with the same woman I've been with for 48 years. So uh, I look for opportunities to spend a little bit more time with her as time progresses, but I think I'll keep working. I hope you do, too. Thank you. Always good to see you, Paul Thank Irving. You. Thank you very much indeed. And a reminder that uh, you can rate us and review us at Apple Podcasts. A very positive review will be helpful to us, much appreciated if you think we deserve it. We're also on social media at Lama Podcast. That's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It would be good if you can follow us. We can get into a conversation about human longevity. Many thanks to everyone here at USC for today and thank you for listening. FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. FlexBeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.